<laughs> okay, the greatest movie ever, five-time Academy Award, Three Amigos. Okay, it didn't win any Academy Awards. But it is the greatest movie ever. I'm serious, seventh grade, I probably watched that like a thousand times with my best friend. If you've not seen that movie, it is so cheesy, but it's the best movie ever. It, it, it will work wonders in your inner soul. No, it's not like that. But seriously, I love that scene. Uh, it cracks me up every time I see that. But you know, kind of on a serious note, it's kind of like life. There's all these people around us in need. There's all these people around us and we don't see them. You know, the thing about it is, in this desert of life that we're in, because that's what it is, right? It's a little crazy. Sometimes, really, we're kind of like any of those three amigos. Sometimes we're kind of like the guy that just has a little bit of water in this journey of life. Sometimes we're the guy that just life hits you hard and it's just sand. You're just like, what's going on, sand? And sometimes you just have this abundance. And you're just gulping it down and swishing around, spitting it out, and you throw it, and you don't see the others around you. Who knew that something serious could come out of Three Amigos, right? But it's true. We're in this desert life. You're either in the desert right now, and some of you are in the desert right now, or some of you are headed towards the desert, or some of you are just coming out of it, right? Are you with me, guys, this morning? Are you there? You see, no matter what, you have something to give. And there's people around you that need what you have. Paul says this in Acts 20.35. In everything I did, I showed you by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak. And I want to stop right there. Because if in other places in the scripture... Paul's not like, hey, we've got to help the weak. You know, I'm this great person. Paul knew what it was like to be weak. He knew what it was like to go without. He knew what it was like to have his life on the line. And that's what motivated him. But he says this, remembering the words of the Lord Jesus himself who said this, it is more blessed to give than receive. And that word blessed kind of sounds weird, you know, kind of crazy, but it just means happy fortunate. You are more happy, fortunate, and blessed when you give than receive. It's not that saying that receiving is bad. Okay, look, here's the deal. I love to get stuff. I'm like the closet Amazon shopper that my wife doesn't know about. I've got this like this liquid account, I call it. And I'm always like, all right, I'm ordering this and this. And she's like, what are we getting in the mail? It's all this stuff all the time. Like these packages, I can't wait to open them up. I, I'm, look, I'm a receiver. I like to receive, okay? Are you with me? Come on, I, look. <laughs> we are born in this world takers, aren't we? Babies, give me, give me, give me. We're born that way. Look, this isn't saying there's nothing wrong with receiving. But the thing is, is when it's all about me, when it's all about receiving, we forget the others around us. We're blind to the needs of those around us. You see, this is the deal. God doesn't want us to catch the vision for getting, but to catch the vision for getting. Do you know God is the most selfless giver. In the true heart of giving, a giver is a lover. And God is a lover. 
and he loves to give. But he wants us to catch that vision for giving. You know, it's interesting, that word in that verse, receive, in the dictionary, it's really a receptacle or container for drawing from a cistern. You know what a cistern is? A lot of times they're man-made, sometimes they're natural. They're places that collect water. And the other, you know, it's either, it represents that cistern or something like a canteen. You know, I go to that and I dip the water in there and that. I think that's interesting, that's saying something about receiving. Because you think about it, it has to go out, doesn't it? What happens to water that just sits? Have you seen that movie Signs? And she has all the glasses of water and she's like, it's contaminated, it's contaminated. Water that sits becomes stagnant. There's this idea of fresh water coming in and going out. This is what I mean. If you've never been to Israel, you may have heard of the Dead Sea and the Sea of Galilee. And if you look on a map, and I don't have a picture of it, but the Dead Sea is up here, the Sea of Galilee is here, and it's got, you know, the Indian Ocean, I can't remember what it is, going into the Sea of Galilee. But there's a reason why it's called the Dead Sea. Because the Sea of Galilee is fed and it feeds into the Dead Sea, but the Dead Sea doesn't feed into anything else. Do you see what I mean? This idea of receiving is not to be held in. You know, we kind of are born in that way that God has poured so much into us, time, talents, and treasure. He's put so much into our canteen, and yet we hold it close, and our grip, it's like that tight grip. You can almost, you know, peel back the hands because it's all about me, and the water becomes dead. We trade these passing joys and these things we think will bring satisfaction because we're holding that canteen close, and all the while it's just like the Dead Sea. It's not flowing out. It's only flowing in. It's only receiving. It's not giving, and it becomes dead, and it becomes stagnant, and we wonder why. You see, that's the human condition, is to keep it all in. You know, I'll be happier if I keep it in, right? Because that's my hope and my future, my well-being. If I just get enough, I'll be okay. I'll be taken care of down the road. See, it's sort of like the canteen. We're sort of like that canteen. And God has poured those time and talents and treasures into us. And we all have different amounts. And it's not even the amount that matters. It's that it all comes from Him. It all comes from God. He's made you and wired you uniquely. And this is the key. It's to benefit others. Yes, there's some benefit to you. Yes. But it's to benefit others. But if it's never going out, it doesn't even benefit you. It just is stagnant and dead. You know, we keep it to ourselves. We are me-focused. You know, if I keep it to myself, I have security, worth, happiness, pleasure, comfort. And here's the biggie, self-worth. Besides, you know, I earned it. I deserve it. But we find that we, the tighter we hold the canteen, the more all that passes away and that sense of security passes away. And it's not what it, we thought it would be. You see, the underlining belief when we hold it close and say, I'm the source, is we're not really seeing the true source where it all comes from. For everything that God's poured in there, you forget that God poured in there and that he'll take 
care of you. Here's the question for you. Who is your provider? Where are your needs truly met? Are you following God or your own desires? You know, we like to say, yeah, everything comes from God. I, I'm God. You know, God, it comes from Him, but we're holding and clasping it tight. We're not pouring it out for others. We're not seeing the needs of others. We're only thinking about ourselves. But here's the deal. Jesus introduces this radical idea, a radical idea in Luke 6.38. So if you have your iPad, Droid, whatever you have, your Bible, there's a novel idea. If you actually have your Bible, open up to Luke 6.38, and let's read this. I'll just read it out loud. Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will be poured into your lap. Catch this last part. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Pour into others, and you'll have even more? Wait a second. You mean, if I don't worry about my well-being, but the well-being of others? Wait, if, if I don't build my own kingdom but I build the others, God's saying he'll build me? Yes. It goes against everything that we instinctively feel. And yet that's what Jesus is saying, this radical idea. You'll find true joy, security, and provision when you benefit others, when you become focused on others, when you see the need of others and what God has poured into you, you pour into others. And it's that cycle of life and God pours back into you. Check out what it says in Proverbs. This is Proverbs 11, 24, 25. One man gives freely, yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly, but comes to poverty. This isn't talking about a person that has excess. This is talking about a person that is in God's economy. That says, you know what? Somehow, I don't know how, but I'm going to give. And somehow God is, is going to give back to me. And it may hurt because I don't know how I'm going to meet that bill or whatever it is. But somehow, God is going to meet my needs. And the second part, a generous man will prosper. And I love this. He who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. I love that. You see, you might be thinking, oh, it's all about the gain. You know, I'll just do this and God will give back to me. But it's really about trust. Who's your source? You know, a lot of times in the journey, we're like, you know what? I just have enough water for my journey, not somebody else's. But God's saying, no, give to help them along that journey. And you'll find that I'm giving you strength and power, whether it's material or spiritual, for the journey. See, it's not about the gain, what you can get back. It's about the trust. Who is your trust in? Who is your hope and your future in? Because when we're all about my well-being, it's about... I've got to make sure that I have a hope in a future. But trust in God says, no, he's my hope in future. Do you see the difference? Do you see what I'm saying? You see, the joy comes not in the stuff, but in God himself. That's the secret right there. And he even returns it more than we can even give him. You know that idea of press down, shaking together, running over. It's a picture from the Old Testament in Exodus when a person would, when it was harvest time and they would harvest to their fields, they'd send their workers in. But God commanded them to leave the corners for the poor 
and to leave the sides on the roads for the poor so that they can collect it. And so they get the basket and they get a good measure. So they measure all the way up. But these are poor, so they want to get as much as they can. So they press it down. They put more in and they shake it together to level it out to get even more in. And then they keep putting more in and then more and more until they have to put it in their laps. They have to lift up their robe and put it in there. And God is saying, that's me. I'm kind of like that poor person. I'm going to gather so much and pour it into you. It'll be crazy amazing. But here's the deal. All that's great. But that's still not the heartbeat of giving. That's still not the pulse of giving. It's not about, okay, I'll just live this way and, you know, I'll be a good person and and God will be happy with me. No, that's not what it's saying. You see, God wants us us to catch his heart. Jesus wants us to catch the heart of the Father, our Abba Father, and he wants us to reflect him. Let's do this. In Luke 6, I want to back up and give the greater context of what's happening. I'll read this to you. It starts in Luke 6, 30. Give to everyone who asks you. And if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do to others as you would have them do to you. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. And if you lend to those who from, I'm sorry, who from you expect payment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners expecting to be repaid in full. But love your enemies, do good to them, and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great. And catch this, and you'll be sons of the Most High, sons and daughters. You'll be reflecting Him because He is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. Be merciful just as your Father is merciful. That's the heartbeat of God right there. And it goes on to say this, do not judge and you will not be judged. Do not condemn and you will not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured. You see, the heart of the Father, you've heard it. And he's not just talking about material things. It's there, but he's also talking about, look, don't judge, because I didn't judge you. Don't condemn, because I didn't condemn you. Forgive. You see, the measure you use, whatever you're pouring out to others, will be poured back into you. Do you get that? You see, Jesus is giving a powerful picture of who God is, how he treats others how he loves, and catch this, how he treated you and me. You see, when we give, when we give like he did, with the heart of the Father, we show the world a picture of who he is, who God is. We become his tangible presence in the world and to each other, to the, quote, deserved and the undeserved. Jesus is saying, I want you to give to those who don't deserve it, just as I gave to you when you didn't deserve it, when you were my enemy. I forgave you. I cleaned you up. I provided for you. I want you to even love those who, even though I love them, will never accept me, will never accept 
that true gift. You see, Jesus is asking us to live this way because that's how he lived when he walked this earth. He gave his life. And that's what true giving is about. It's not about I give a few dollars or I give a few canned goods. No, I give my life. I give my life. And I want you to do the same thing. It's the sacrificial way. I want you to learn to love the way I loved you. I want you just to look at the offering boxes in the back. If you just turn around, there's one in that corner, one right there, and one over there. This is not a guilt thing. But what if when you're walking out, Jesus was holding those, and you saw the scars in his hands? If it's guilt, that's not what he's asking of you. But he's saying, give, because I gave to you. Give when it hurts, because it hurt me. That person on the side of the road, what if you just got a glimpse for a second? Oh, I see Jesus. Would you be more apt to give? You see, he loved us that much. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. And I think what's not said here is do unto others as I did for you. That I went to the cross for you. That God so loved the world that he gave his only son. That's the heart of giving. His love is the motivation and example for our giving. Remember this. Remember that scripture. It said, the measure you use, it'll be measured back to you. James, in the book of James, it says the same thing. How can you expect mercy if you haven't given mercy? How can you expect to be refreshed if you haven't refreshed someone else? What is your measure? Because here's God's measure. Are you ready? It's grace-based love that gives. Grace-based love that gives its life to us. And it's unmerited. It's undeserved. It can't be earned. We can't pay it back. And, we can, and it's expecting nothing in return. That's what's so amazing about grace. That's so amazing about the gift that Christ gave us. You see, when we stop clinching this and we pour out for others, when we give our life away, we find his life refreshing us, pouring into us. You know what? God says this. I'm going to show you who the true source is. I'm going to show you who the hope in the future is. Your hands can't earn it. I'm going to give it to you. But give as I have given to you. It's not bad to receive. You know, this is going to sound weird because this is something I received. But this week, the past couple weeks have been crazy for Jen and I. And um, I don't know if, you know, those of you that are married, you get to this place where you have these weeks where, where you're like, you're just fighting. And suddenly it becomes bigger and bigger and bigger. And you're like, how did we get to this place and that's where Jen and I were. We have like several things that are looming. Just see, they're good things, but they're like these deadlines. And then Jason is having a lot of problems in his, at, at the school he goes to. And we're like, what do we do? Are we, are we bad parents? How do we do it? And we have all this stuff coming at us. And, and then, you know, just money and all that stuff. You just start fighting. And then I got sick. And all this, it was just one of those weeks. You know, it's funny. I've had these big catastrophes happen, and I can have faith in God. 
But then all these little things just put these pressure on me and squeeze me down. I'm like, where are you, God? Where are you? I'm in that desert place. Where are you? And, and I'm just telling you, he talks about giving to the undeserved and wicked. I'm a son of God, and, and I'm telling you, I didn't deserve anything that, that would happen. But Jen and I got in a fight, and it was kind of just this thing where like, all right, that's it. I, I can't stand it anymore. I was at the end of myself. You know, in Isaiah, I love the verse, but it says, even youth grow weary and tired. And I ain't no youth, and I was tired, and I was weary, and I was ready to give up. Have you been there? I was like, man, that's it. I give up, God. Where are you? And we, the very same time, we found out, okay, now we have to move out of our house quickly. And we're like, what are we going to do? It, it was just like one thing after another. God, when are you going to stop this? When, what's going on? And it was really cool. Because two people that had the heart of the Father, Dave Shive and Carl that was leading worship, they found out what was happening. And Dave texted me and he was like, hey man, we need to get together, just talk to me. And, and honestly, I didn't want to be poured into, I was too prideful. I'm like, no, I'm not texting him back. And um, Jen called me later and, and told Dave what was happening with our marriage and our finances and, and stuff. And Dave says, we're going to take care of it. We're going to take care of it. And when Jen told me that, I can't even tell you. I mean, it sounds like an unexciting story, but it was like the Holy Spirit. It was like God was saying, I just gave to you through your brother in Christ. I just reminded you that I'm good. Remember all that stuff you're saying about me? I'm going to show you truth when I didn't deserve it. How amazing is our God? He comes to us in the nick of time. And then Carl found out what we're going on with the house. And Carl, he's crazy. He's always texting. He has like 30 million conversations at once. But yet he was texting me like, hey man, I know a guy. I'm going to contact him for you. I'm going to help you out. He took out time for me that he barely knows. He poured into me when Jen and I were pouring that dirt in our faces because we were just out. We're just out. We didn't have anything more in the tank. It was empty. But that's our God. He refreshed me, and I want to refresh others. I got in this place when I heard all that. As much as the gifts and the things they were doing were great, it brought me back to the heart of the Father. It brought me back to that place of awe of God who would take care of his children. And that doesn't mean the outcome's always great, but our God sends those moments in our lives to say, I'm with you. I'm walking beside you. I'm going to get you through. I'm good. I know it doesn't seem like it. We're going to make it through this. But if you are not in community, who's going to pour into you in those desert times? And if you're not in community when you have an abundance and you, don't, and you see those around you need you, how are you going to pour into them? You know, Jesus said that they'll know that the world will know you're my disciples by your love for each other. That's what this is a picture of. Loving each other. You know, Jesus is even taking it further and saying, this is what you should do for your enemies. Because that's what God did. When we were still his enemies, Christ died for us and loved us. Now do the same. Catch the heart of the Father. Pour what you have into others and I'll, I'll refresh you. But it makes me excited to refresh others. Here's this question I have for you. Does your life count for someone else? 
Does your life count for someone else? Think about that. Because when Jesus walked this earth, the example he gave us, his life counted for somebody else. Or are you me focused? The second thing is you're giving sacrificial. Look, it hurt what Jesus gave. He took nails and a crown of thorns. He's calling us to sacrificial giving. He's calling us to trust. I mean, look, if you give one or two of these, make the choice to say, you know what, I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I'm going to give five. Whatever it takes, practice sacrificial giving. Give when it hurts. And do you reflect the heart of the Father? Do you reflect the heart of the Father? Are you refreshing somebody else in that desert time? Because you're going to be in that desert time too sometime. And you need others around you. We need each other. The Spirit of God that lives in us. Refreshing each other. That's what it looks like to give. As the band comes up, I want you to reflect on this last verse. Jesus is sending out his disciples to do ministry. He says this to them. Freely you have received freely give. When we do ministry like we're doing, that sounds like such a technical thing, ministry. But what we're doing is saying, this is the heart of the Father to somebody I don't even know. Freely you have received, freely give. You see, you can't do this kind of giving unless you've experienced the true gift, salvation. It's unmerited, it's undeserved, But while we're his enemies, Christ died for us. For some of you, we can't give this way until you know Jesus. So you can call on the name of Jesus and be saved. And for some of you, you've kind of gotten away from it. You know, there's kind of two kinds of givers. When you read this passage that Jesus says, he doesn't really try to say, you know, well, you need discernment and you need to make sure you don't do this or that. You know, like the giving fairies, they're the ones that, those people that just, I give and I give and I give and I give. There's that extreme, and then there's the other extreme that, well, they're not worthy. Oh, I can't do that. It's not going to meet my needs. Jesus doesn't bother about those things. He just says the heart of the Father is to give. He has the bigger perspective. Give to Him. Give to others, and He will give back to you. Will you bow your heads and close your eyes? Lord God, help us to remember what it was like to be in awe of you when you first found us when you cleaned us up when you forgave us when you said I won't condemn him but give him true life the gift of salvation help us to give out of that heart out of what you've given us that you freely gave us help us to freely give knowing that you'll meet every need God that you're our hope and our future and you'll provide for us that we don't have to trust ourselves or our abilities, but we can trust you fully, God. Lord, I just ask for those who have yet to receive the gift of salvation, that they would call on the name of Jesus and be saved, even now that you'd pour out your spirit, God, that you'd forgive their sins. Lord, I praise you for the God that you are, the selfless giver who loves people, 
even the people that reject you, Lord, you love so deeply, God, and you died for them. How amazing you are, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Will you stand and let's worship?